Greetings, everyone. Welcome to today's Bible College. We're going to try and read from February 1st all the way to February 7th. I said try because it's going to be a great teaching and we'll see what the Holy Spirit has in charge for us for this Bible College curriculum. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we set aside everything we think we know about your word, everything we think about this world, everything we think about your dealings with this earth, Lord, with every human being and ourselves, Lord. Lord, we just set it aside so we may have an open door, a fresh revelation, Lord God, that we may acknowledge you, Lord, that your presence, that we may push in and your presence will come to us, Lord, that your presence will be here, Lord. Establish your presence. Establish your purpose in our lives, Lord God. And have, like you said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for establishing your purpose. As in Hosea says, Lord, acknowledge the Lord and he will come like the rains and the latter rains and his presence will be established in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. February 1st says, Hit him with a rock by Kenneth Copeland. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. Psalm 23, 1 and 2. Have you ever thought about David and wonder how a shepherd boy could become a man after God's own heart? A man so strong in spirit that God chose him to be king of Israel. I have. In fact, I asked God about it. And he showed me that revelation was what turned David into such a spiritual powerhouse. Revelation that came to him through hours of thinking about the things of God. I imagine the day he wrote Psalm 23, he was just sitting and singing praises to God and meditating on his goodness. Just fellowshipping with him when suddenly the anointing of the Lord came upon him and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. Suddenly he thought about the sheep he watched over as a boy. I faced death for those sheep. I led them where pastures were green and waters were cool, clean, deep, and peaceful. He kept on meditating on that until it started to thrill him. When the lion and the bear came, didn't he prepare a table before me in the presence of those enemies? He gave me victory. My God, my God will fight for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That revelation welled up in David so strong that the devil couldn't beat it out of him. So when Goliath tried to make a fool out of Israel, David went after him. Goliath was able to scare off everyone else. But he couldn't shake David because he had a revelation inside of him that said, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. Say that with me. Say, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. I come against you, devil, in the name of the Lord of hosts. Amen. One more time. 
Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That revelation enabled David to send a rock sailing into the giant's brain. Is the devil out to destroy us? Let us do what David did. Let us meditate on God and his word. Let it weld up and swell up inside of us. Let us sing praises to our king, fellowship with him, until that revelation of who he is in us starts to thrill our souls. Then we tell the devil, You're not going to kill me. The Lord is my shepherd. Say that. You're not going to kill me. The Lord is my shepherd. Hit him with a rock of revelation knowledge, and you'll knock him flat every time. Let's go ahead and read Psalm 23 now. You, Lord, are my shepherd. I shall not want or be in need. You let me rest in fields of green grass. You ground me. You lead me to streams of peaceful water. And you refresh my life. You are true to your name. And you lead me along the right paths. I may walk through valleys as dark as death. But I won't be afraid. You are with me. And your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest and you fill my cup with until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life. And I will live forever in your house, O oh Lord. Amen. And now for the New King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now let's go to February the 2nd. Thank you, Lord. Article by Gloria Copeland. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. What does it mean by everything? Tell me. When you burn the beans, the rice, when you get angry, when you get jealous, you get frustrated, same old, same old, when you get bored, when I get bored, when I get frustrated, when I blow my transmission in my car, when I get into a heated discussion with a long-time fellow friend, when I don't do my commitments, my indifferences. Anyway, I just had a doctor call me. He's, he's burned out on his work. 
And I told him, put a rubber band around your left wrist and keep thanking God. You're not mentioning the name of Jesus enough. Every time you see the rubber band, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had a homeless guy come a few times to the park and help us read. He couldn't stay sober. A wonderful specimen of a man. You know, they just love the challenge of being homeless. And uh, I told him, let's put, let's put a couple of sticks, little small sticks in your shoe, one in your left and one in your right. And then when you take a, a step to the left, say, thank you. And then you step right, you say, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Or thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, he got better. Moved in and started being of service to a relative of his. You know, doing all the yard work because they were up in their 80s and age. And he ended up move, uh, flying out of state to be with his grandchildren. Wonderful, wonderful words of life. We forget, folks. Put a rubber band on your left wrist. And when you forget that you're supposed to thank God for a situation, snap that rubber band and say, on your wrist, on the tender part, and say, thank God I blew up. Thank God I'm a misfit. Thank God for what just happened. You'll get rewarded for that. The alternative is playing God and trying to take care of it yourself. Turning it over, he is the great almighty. He says, the battle is the Lord's. Amen. And let's try not to be perfect, holy, righteous. Just relax. Have fun. We're, we, we're, in, we're in the greatest salvation mode of history of human being. We are saved. We're made new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's a done deal. Jesus said, it is finished. Let's go ahead and take partake of uh, communion right now. Please go get your communion elements. Let's take the bread and the wine, which I have grape juice. And let's thank God. Let's thank Jesus for him dying in the cross that took away all our despair, loneliness, all our anger, indifference, resentments. Lord, you took all our my stupidity, my stubbornness. The Lord took everything away. Hallelujah. Took my sickness and disease. Thank you, Jesus. And most of all, he took us from the grasp of the enemy, the grasp of Satan. We were bound for hell, but God, Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us. He is our Savior. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our Savior. Thank you, Lamb of God, for going on the cross and dying for us. Thank you that this bread is, signifies your body that was broken for us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's go ahead and partake of the bread in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Taste and see what the Lord is good. And with, at evening, Jesus took the cup and said, here, drink this. This is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. He said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember you, Jesus. Thank you for giving up your life and your blood for us, that we may live anew, new creatures in Christ Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord God in heaven. Let's go ahead and take partake of the grape juice. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming on to today's uh, reading for February the 2nd and taking communion with me. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice that this scripture instructs us to give thanks in all things, not for all things. When tragedy or temptation strikes, we are not to thank God for them. He is not the author. He's the one who provides our way to of escape from them. And that's what we're to thank him for, that he's provided the way of escape. We thank him that we have his love. We thank him that we're not alone. If you read the four Gospels, you'll find that Jesus never gave thanks for sickness or death. Instead, when he encountered them, his response was to overcome them by God's power. So give thanks as Jesus gave thanks, not for Satan's activities, but for the victory God has given you over them. Thank you, Lord, for this victory. Thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you, Lord God, for the victory. Everyone say, thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you, Lord, for the victory. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for the victory. Hallelujah. Additional reading is John 11, 1 through 48. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 48. Reading from the CEV translation. A man by the name of Lazarus was sick in the village of Bethany. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the same Mary who later poured perfume on the Lord's head and wiped his feet with her hair. The sister sent a message to the Lord and told him that his good friend Lazarus was sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, His sickness won't end in death. It will bring glory to God and his son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and brother, but he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Now we will go back to Judea. Teacher, they said, the people there want to stone you to death. Why do you want to go back? Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in each day? If you walk during the day, you will have light from the sun and you won't stumble. But if you walk during the night, you will stumble because you don't have any light. Then he told them, our friend Lazarus is asleep and I'm going there to wake him up. They replied, Lord, if he's asleep, he will get better. Jesus really meant that Lazarus was dead, but they thought he was talking only about sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad I wasn't there because now you will have a chance to put your faith in me. Let's go to him. Thomas, whose nickname was twin, said to the other disciple, come on, let's go so we can die with him. When Jesus got to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than three kilometers from Jerusalem, and many people who had come from the city to comfort Martha and Mary because their brother had died. When Martha heard that Jesus had arrived, 
she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now I know that God would do anything you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will live again. Martha answered, I know he will be raised to life on the last day when all the dead are raised. Then Jesus said, I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live, even if they die. And everyone who lives because of faith in me will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. You are the one we hope will come into the world. After Martha said this, she went and privately said to her sister Mary, The teacher is here, and he wants to see you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up and went out to Jesus. He was still outside the village where Martha had gone to meet him. Many people had come to comfort Mary, and when they saw her quickly leave the house, they thought she was going out to the tomb to cry, so they followed her. Mary went to where Jesus was. Then, as soon as she saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw that Mary and the people with her were crying, he was terribly upset and asked, Where have you put his body? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus started crying. And the people said, See how much he loved Lazarus. Some of them said, He gives sight to the blind. Why couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still terribly upset. So he went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone rolled against the entrance. Then he told the people to roll the stone away. Martha said, Lord, you know that Lazarus had been dead for four days, and there would be a bad smell. Jesus replied, Didn't I tell you that if you had faith, you would see the glory of God? After the stone had been rolled aside, Jesus looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, I thank you for answering my prayer. I know that you always answer my prayers, but I said this so the people here would believe you sent me. When Jesus had finished praying, he shouted, Lazarus, come out! The man who had been dead came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with stripes of burial cloth, and a cloth covered his face. Jesus told the people, Untie him and let him go. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw the things Jesus did, and they put their faith in him. Others went to the Pharisees and told what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called the council together and said, What shall we do? This man is working a lot of miracles. If we don't stop him now, everyone will put their faith in him. Then the Romans will come and destroy our temple and our nation. One of the council members was Caiaphas, who was also high priest that year. He spoke up and said, You people don't have any sense at all. Don't you know it's better for one person to die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed? Caiaphas did not say this on his own. 
As high priest that year, he was prophesying that Jesus would die for the nation. Yet Jesus would not die just for the Jewish nation. He would die to bring together all of God's scattered people. From that day on, the council started making plans to put Jesus to death. Because of the plot against him, Jesus stopped going around in public. He went to the town of Ephraim, which was near the desert, and he stayed there with his disciples. It was almost time for Passover. Many of the Jewish people who lived out in the country had come to Jerusalem to get themselves ready for the festival. They looked around for Jesus. Then, when they were in the temple, they asked each other, You don't think he will come here for Passover, do you? The chief priests and the Pharisees told the people to let them know if any of them saw Jesus. This is how they hoped to arrest him. And now, let's go ahead and do February the 3rd, the reading for February the 3rd, please. Thank you, Lord. An article by Gloria Copeland. Oh, that's the one we just did. Let me see. The third says, Out of the Shadow. This one's by Kenny Copeland. John 1.29 says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. John 1.29 Jesus came to take away sin. Do you realize what that means? It means that God, through the blood of Jesus, has so completely done away with the power of sin that you, as a born-again believer, can live as if it never existed. You can step out from under a shadow once and for all. Understand now, stepping out from under sin's shadow doesn't guarantee living a sinless life. You still might stumble sometimes and fall into sin, but you have a promise from God sworn in the blood of Jesus that says when you confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of it and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to live under the shadow of that sin five seconds if you have sense enough to repent and receive God's forgiveness. Oh, brother, I just feel so bad about it. It doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. Do it by faith. Learn to be quick to repent. Then stand up and laugh in the devil's face. I remember one particular time when I was in that spot. I missed it something awful, and I was supposed to go preach that night. I felt so guilty that I just told the Lord I wasn't going to go. Lord, you'll just have to get yourself another preacher tonight because I'm not going over there to that service. Suddenly the Spirit spoke up inside me. Did you confess that sin before me, Kenneth? Yes, I did. Do you account the blood by which you sanctify as an unholy thing? I said, do you account the blood by which you're sanctified as an unholy thing? Oh, dear God, no, I answered. That's what you're standing there doing. He said, I gave you my word that when you confess your sin before me, I will not only forgive you of it, but I'll cleanse it and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Now it's not good taste for you to keep bringing it up. 
I'm telling you, I dropped the matter right then and then and marched into the service and preached for two and a half hours on the forgiveness of God. Don't let feelings of guilt and unworthiness rob you of the power of Jesus' blood. Repent and step out by faith under the shadow of sin in the mighty light of God's forgiveness today. And it would seem strange to say that you have to be thankful and thank God and hit that sin right in the nose by thanking God it happened. I'm telling you, you will extinguish it when you use the power of name. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this sin. I receive your grace now. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and makes me brand new once again. Thank you for restoring me with salvation and your presence. Amen. And now let's go ahead and read John chapter 1. I'm reading from the CEV Bible. In the beginning was the one who is called the Word. The Word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. And with this Word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the Word. Everything that was created received its life from Him. And His life gave light to everyone. The light keeps shining in the dark. And darkness has never put it up. God sent a man named John who came to tell about the light and to lead all people to have faith. John wasn't this light. He came only to tell about the light. The true light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. The word was in the world, but no one knew him. Though God had made the world with his word, he came into his own world but his own nation did not welcome him. Yet some people accepted him and put their faith in him. So he gave them the right to be the children of God. They were not God's children by nature or because of any human desires. God himself was the one who made them his children. The word became a human being and lived here with us. We saw his true glory. The glory of the only Son of the Father. From Him the complete gifts of undeserved grace and truth have come down to us. Did you hear that? From Him the complete gifts of undeserved grace and truth have come down to us. John spoke about Him and shouted, This is the one I told you would come. He is greater than I am. Because he was alive before I was born. Because of all that the Son is, we have been given one blessing after another. The law was given by Moses, but Jesus Christ brought us undeserved kindness and truth. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is truly God and is closest to the Father has shown us what God is like. The religious authorities in Jerusalem sent priests and temple helpers to ask John who he was. He told them plainly, I am not the Messiah. Then when they asked him if he were Elijah, he said, no, I'm not. And when they asked him if he were the prophet, he also said, no. Finally, they said, who are you then? 
We have to give an answer to the ones who sent us. Tell us who you are. John answered in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am only someone shouting in the desert. Get the road ready for the Lord. Some Pharisees has also been sent to John. They ask him, why are you baptizing people if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? John told him, I use water to baptize people, but here with you is someone you don't know. Even though I came first, I am not good enough to untie his sandals. John said this as he was baptizing east of the Jordan River in Bethany. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one I told you about when I said, Someone else will come who is greater than I am, because he was alive before I was born. I didn't know who he was, but I came to baptize you with water so that everyone in Israel would see him. I was there and saw the Spirit come down on him like a dove from heaven, and the Spirit stayed on him. Before this, I didn't know who he was, but the one who sent me to baptize with water had told me, You will see the Spirit come down and stay on someone. Then you will know that he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen, and I tell you that he is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again, and two of his followers were with him. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Here is the Lamb of God. John's two followers heard him, and they went with Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them, he asked them, What do you want? They answered, Rabbi, where do you live? The Hebrew word rabbi means teacher. Jesus replied, Come and see. It was already about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him and saw where he lived. So they stayed on for the rest of the day. One of the two men who had heard John and had gone with Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, We have found the Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah means the same as the Greek word Christ. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus, and when Jesus saw him, he said, Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas. This name can be translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. There he met Philip, who was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Philip then found Nathanael and he said, We have found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. He is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Hmm. Nathan asked, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip answered, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said, Here is a true descendant of our ancestor Israel. 
and he isn't deceitful. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God and the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe me just because I said that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see something even greater. I tell you for certain that you will see heaven open and God's angels going up and coming down on the Son of Man. Amen and amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And now, let's move over to our next date, February the 4th. Let Peace Rule, article by Gloria Copeland. Colossians 3.15, the Amplified Bible says, And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from the Christ rule as an act of umpire continually. In your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. And be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Amen. Colossians 3.15 Seems to me like it says that to give thanks for the Holy Spirit and have a good communication with our common sense has been enlightened in the things of God. For Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Thank you, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit. Thankful. We appreciate the Holy Spirit. We appreciate the soundness of our minds that speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks through. Amen. And now for our teaching. Gloria says, Have you been praying that God will let you know whether a certain action you want to take is agreeable to His will or not? Let this peace of Christ be your guide. Let it help you settle the issue. If you start to take that action and you realize you don't have peace about it, don't do it. Remember, though, that this inner leading of the Holy Spirit, this subtle sense of uneasiness or peace He gives you, is something you have to watch and listen for carefully. He generally won't just come up and knock you out of bed one morning and tell you what you need to do. The primary way He speaks to you is by what the Bible calls an inner witness. So, you have to listen. You can't just stay busy about the things of the world all the time. You have to give Him time and attention. Also, watch out for strife. If you're irritated and upset about things in your life, it will be very hard to receive that quiet guidance from the Holy Spirit. So take heed to the instructions at the end of the scripture and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always, maintaining a thankful, grateful heart. You'll find it much easier to hear the umpire of peace when he makes a call. Amen. Scripture reading is Psalm 95, 1 through 7. 95, 1 through 7. Amen. Psalm 95, 1 through 7 says, Sing joyful songs to the Lord. Praise the mighty rock where we are safe. Come to worship him with thankful hearts and songs of praise. The Lord is the greatest God, king over all other gods. He holds the deepest part of the earth in his hands 
and the mountain peaks also belong to him. The ocean is the Lord's because he made it, and with his own hands he formed the dry land. Bow down and worship the Lord our Creator. The Lord is our God, and we are his people, the sheep he takes care of in his own pasture. Amen and amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We are cared for by the Lord in his pasture. Thank you, Jesus Christ. You are my shepherd. You are our shepherd. Amen. And now let's do February 5th. Article by Kenny Copeland. Uncommon protection is the title. Uncommon protection. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. John 10.10. 10. The thief shows, uh, shows up to steal, kill, and destroy. Consider how much the devil hates people and how dead set he is on destroying them. Really destroying them. It's no wonder we see so much tragedy and disaster in the world. In fact, it's amazing we don't see more. I asked the Lord about that one time, and he told me, it takes the realm of darkness a long time to set up major disasters. Take the aviation industry, for example. It's highly regulated and works hard at policing itself because safety is its product. You take a highly regulated system like that, and the devil has to work terribly hard to cause disasters. He can't just come roaring in and rip things up anytime he wants to. If he could, he'd knock every plane out of the sky tonight, but he can't do it. Why? Because he's bound, the Bible says, he's bound to the things that are common to man. He has to line up certain things in this natural human realm before he can lay a finger on you. He has to use people to get his work done. But bless God, we're not bound to what's common to man. We're free to use what's common to God. We fight our warfare with uncommon weapons. What does that mean? It means we ought to have the devil wrapped up and sewn up. We ought to put him in a sack with a ribbon on top. The devil can't cause disaster in your life unless he has been giving place. He can't come in and start destroying and stealing from you unless he can get you into a place of sin, doubt, ignorance, or disobedience. So if he's been giving you trouble, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you let those things in. Then repent and get rid of them. Once you've done that, Pull out the weapons of God that God has given you and fire away with both barrels. Pull out the word. Pull out praise and worship. Pull out prayer. Pull out faith. Stop the floor. Walk around. Praise and use the name of Jesus. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. Use those weapons to tie the devil in knots. Let us use the uncommon power of God. To keep him bound and under our feet. He won't be able to put anything over on us. Additional reading is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. 
Finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. Put on the, all the armor that God gives you so you can defend yourself against the devil's tricks. We are not fighting against humans. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. So put on the all the army of God that God gives you. Then when the evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. Be ready. Let the truth be like a belt around your waist and let God's justice protect you like armor. Your desire to tell the good news about peace should be like shoes on your feet. Let your fate be like a shield and you will be able to stop all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let God's saving power be like a helmet and for a sword use God's message that comes from the Spirit. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. Pray that I will be given the message to speak and that I may fearlessly explain the mysteries about the good news. I was sent to do this work, says Paul, and this is the reason I'm in jail. So pray that I will be brave and will speak as I should. Amen and amen. Remember, praising and worshiping God and saying the name of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You stomp on the devil's head. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The devil's eliminated. The devil runs. He can't stand a person that, that's he can't, that's worshiping and praising God. If he throws a bad transmission on you, remember, his whisper is evil advice. His whisper to trying to get us to do wrong is uh, thoughts of doing, of talking out of character, saying something, jumping out in the lane, you know, inspiring you in darkness. That's his little tricks. He tries to inspire, like jump the light, do this. And and do you stop yourself and you see the danger, you see the car, you see the other car racing right through the light. If you would have listened to that little voice, that little dark voice, he's trying to get you to do wrong so he can set us up for a greater disaster. In my drinking days, that's how I used to see it. It started out really nice, drinking a a course and having fun and swimming and so forth. And someone brought a little bit of grass and we're swimming and drinking and, and everything. And then I saw the people started bringing darker and darker stuff, stronger and stronger liquor. And then somebody started bringing guns and fight. And I saw how, how the setup was being set up and how the anger and all of a sudden you have a gun or something in your, a knife. And then, the night before you got into a fight was, and you're thinking, I'm going to get even in a little, see, you can see the setup. It's a setup, folks, for destruction. And at the same time, in God's realm, in God's kingdom, when we get together with somebody and we pray the Our Father, then we're in God's kingdom. Then God starts setting us up for more blessings, for more thanks, things to be thankful, for more gratitude and so forth. Amen. Let's not shake it up and being bored and having to do 
because you're bored, you're going to go see pornography or drink or cause trouble. How about challenge yourself in being good to yourself? Go to the gym, take a walk, take those hikes that you always wanted to do. Go to those museums, go to the pleasure cruises. Have fun with you, you know, you and God and the atmosphere and enjoy his creation. You know, um, stop people putting demands on you. Be good to yourself and enjoy doing the things you like to do because we have God already inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit. Let's protect the joy of the Lord. Let us protect it from uh, people that are being used from the enemy. For instance, I have a guy that wants to counsel with me, keeps calling me, and I already gave him the best thing I can two, three times, and, and, and he goes right back. And I'm saying, this guy's sent by the enemy. He's just trying to get take my time away by, you know, I gave him instructions. You need to read the Bible. We're, we're, we're stupid. We're ignorant. We're lazy. We're indifferent. And we try to, we, we are not taking care of that on our own. And we try to bring all that to a council service. When everybody can get themselves healed by disciplining themselves to read by disciplining to self to praise and worship God, to put a rubber band on their on their wrist and to thank God every time they mess up. Thank you, God, I messed up. Thank you, God, I'm a misfit. And before you know it, before they mess up, they'll catch themselves and they'll habitually straighten themselves up. I mean, I'm, I'm telling this to a 64-year-old man and he said he was going to use a, a box, going to go buy a box of rubber bands because he thought he had to bust them. I said, no, just sting yourself with the rubber band. And I call him, he calls me about three, four days later, and he forgot all about the project. We so talked so much, spent a couple hours talking to him. And here we go again, listening to his fears, listening to see how I got locked up into it, and I'm thinking about it. Amen. So, thank God. I ain't got him a misfit. <laughs> All right, let's move on, please. I guess I must be long-winded today. And now, let's go for the sixth, and hopefully we'll catch the seventh for the whole week of February. First seven days of February. All right, our next reading is Your Final Authority by Kenny Copeland. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Okay. The world's order of things is unsure and indefinite. Desperate words of uncertainty are crying out daily from radio, television, and newspaper. Everything around us seems to be in turmoil. But praise God, if you're a believer, you have something you can depend on. The unchanging word of God. Hallelujah. God has no double standards. He doesn't say one thing today and something else tomorrow. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you will make the word the final authority in your life, it will give you stability when everything else around you gives way. If you let what God says settle the issue of life, you'll be confident when others are confused, peaceful when others are in, under pressure, 
You'll be overcoming when others are being overcome. What does it mean to make God's word the final authority? It means believing what he says instead of believing what people say. It means believing what he says instead of what Satan says. It means believing what he says instead of what the circumstances say. Determine in your heart to do that today. Make up your mind to live by faith, not by sight. Fearlessly commit yourself to the authority of God's word, and there won't be anything in this unstable world that can steal your security from you. Amen and amen. And now for the reading of Psalms 9, verses 1 through 10. Psalms 9, verses 1 through 10. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart and tell about the wonders you have worked. God most high, I will rejoice. My God most high, I will rejoice. I will celebrate and sing because of you. When my enemies face you, they run away and stumble and are destroyed. You take your seat as judge and your fair decisions prove that I was in the right. You warn the nations and destroy evil people. You wipe out their names forever and ever. Our enemies are destroyed completely for all time. Their cities are torn down and they will never be remembered again. You rule forever, Lord, and you are on your throne ready for judgment. You judge the world fairly and treat all nations with justice. The poor can run to you because you are a fortress in times of trouble. Everyone who honors your name can trust you because you are faithful to all who depend on you. Amen and amen. And now let's go ahead and move over to February the 7th, our last reading for this week. Thank you so much for coming on here, being an attentive, wonderful audience. Remember, we're praying for each other five in the morning, California time, Pacific Pacific time, praying for each other, taking communion with each other and blessing each other. I felt your prayers this morning. Somebody's out there praying really good. Thank you so much. Thank God instead, Kenny Copeland. Ha <laughs> ha, here it is. Thank God instead, Fender Bender, thank God instead. Romans 12, 18, the Amplified Bible says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I say with everything, every situation, even yourself, we're the ones who stub our toes the most. When I was a new Christian, it was almost impossible for me to live at peace with anyone. Almost every time I opened my mouth, I said something ugly. I was constantly hurting the people I was close to. In fact, I spoke more harshly to them than to anyone else. I criticized my wife's driving so much that she nearly refused to drive while I was with her. I criticized my children so much that they began to avoid me. I didn't want to be so insensitive, but I couldn't help it. I had a well-developed habit of speaking harshly and didn't know how to change it. Then I found Ephesians 5.4. It said, Let there be no coarse, stupid, or flippant 
talk. These things are out of place. You should rather be thankful, thanking God. New English Bible. When I read that, I realized I needed to replace the words I was used to saying with words of thanksgiving. That would solve my problem. After all, I couldn't speak harshly and thank God at the same time. I couldn't criticize those around me if I had a thankful attitude about them. Note, I, Fernando, say, when you're used to saying with words and you want to replace them, those words you're used to saying, every time you mess up, say, thank God I messed up. Thank God I messed up. Do it for 28 days and you will catch yourself. You will put a new habit on top of an old bad habit. Thank God I messed up by catching yourself and seeing the rubber band right there. From there, you will praise God and be thankful to him before we open our mouths. All right, back to the teaching. I immediately decided to put this principle to work in my life. Rushing into my son's room one day, ready to lamp-based him about something he had done, I recognized my old behavior pattern. I just stopped and said to myself, the word says this kind of behavior is out of place. So I am going to stop and thank God. I wasn't nearly as angry after I spent a few minutes praising and thanking the Lord. If you develop the habit of speaking harshly, start changing that habit today. When someone crosses you on the job, at school, or wherever, on the road, and you're tempted to tear into them with cruel words, stop. Then take a few moments to give thanks and praise to God. Once you begin thinking about how God good is, how good God is, more often than not, those harsh words, angry words, will just slip away unspoken. We don't give life to them. Instead of using your tongue to tear people down, train it to lift God's praises up. Then the energy will be used rightly as so. Then living at peace with others will come easily to us. Let's go ahead and read Ephesians 4, 26-32 and 5, 1-4. through 4. Ephesians, starting with verse 25. We are part of the same body. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil a chance. There it is. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Be honest and work hard. So you will have something to give to people in need. Stop all your dirty talk. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. Don't make God's spirit sad. The Spirit makes you sure that someday you will be free from your sins. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. Chapter 5. Do as God does. After all, you are his dear children. Let love be your guide. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. You are God's people, so don't let it be said that any of you are immoral or indecent or greedy. 
Don't use dirty or foolish or filthy words. Instead, say how thankful you are. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming on for this week's reading from February 1 through the 7th. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Hold you in his arms and tell you that he loves you and that you are his special child. You are his favorite in Jesus' name. Be blessed, family. Let's get out there and give them heaven.